Hello, everyone. My name is Rick Hawkins. I'm the pastor of Quest Church. I want to thank all of you for joining us today. You're about to hear a word that is informative, insightful, and inspirational. If you'd like to support our ministry, you can go to questchurch.com. Enjoy the message. Remain standing, Psalm 126. We're going to go back here tonight. I'm going to wrap this up tonight. But man, I just feel real uh, excited about what I see God doing at Quest Church. Man, as I was interceding today in my house by myself, I just started seeing whole families fill entire rows in this church. Like you were looking down the row of seats you were sitting in and you saw people you thought would never be in the house of God and their hands were raised and tears were just streaming down their face in worship. I saw addicts delivered from drugs. If you could only see what I saw in the spirit today, you would be rejoicing with me because I'm telling you, great things are about to happen. You know what I hear the word of the Lord saying? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God is greater. Glory to your name, Father. Psalm 126, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Everyone say that word, dream. Tell three people around you, dream on, dream on, dream on. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord has done great things for them. God is about to put a reputation out there about you that's going to shock people. It's going to be good stuff. The Lord has done great things for us. Let's say it together. The Lord has done great things for us. Whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord. As the streams in the south, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Some of you have been crying about some things you're going to be laughing about soon. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing a harvest or bringing his sheaves with him. Father, thank you for the reading of your word. Help me to articulate the announcements of heaven over these, your people tonight. I thank you, Lord, that there's a dialogue in this sanctuary that will destroy anything the enemy has, a, has set up to resist or hinder your people from progressing into their prophetic future. Have your way tonight. I break every generational curse off of every family in this building. In Jesus' name. Father, release blessing in this house tonight, and we give you praise. One more time before you sit down, would you give the King of kings and Lord of lords a good praise tonight? Glory to your name. Man, there is something in this building tonight. I don't know if y'all feel it, but I just see something turning in here. Woo, turn it, turn it, Lord. Turn the thing around. Turn that circumstance around. Woo, turn the health report around. Turn the finances around. Turn it, God, turn it. In the name of Jesus. Woo. Somebody shouted, it's turning tonight. It's turning. Amen. And this is what you may be seated. This is what Ezra is saying. 
in Psalm 126 when he says, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion. Zion is the church. We were like them that dream. Man, when I saw that today, I heard the Lord tell me, dreams are about to come true. Your dream is about to become your reality. Can you believe that tonight? And on Sunday, we went through this. We talked about Psalm 126. It was when Cyrus defeated Babylon, released the Jews to go and rebuild the temple of Jerusalem. I want to stop there and say this, and you can read it in Ezra chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. You have a responsibility to your freedom. You are delivered for a reason. You came out of darkness into his marvelous light that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out. You have a responsibility to give him the praise for bringing you out of all the stuff you was in. Not just darkness, but the deeds of darkness you've been delivered from. Somebody ought to bless him right there. Amen. So he brought you out and he brought them out with an order to go back and rebuild the house of God. God is about to drop an anointing on people to be builders. Amen. Enough destroying, enough destruction. It's time to construct. It's time to build a prophetic life. It's time to build a purposeful life. It's time to build the family of God and build the house of God. So the psalmist states in the first three verses of Psalm 26, the working of God to bring a dream true. Somebody shouted, finally happened. So after 70 years of captivity, Ezra said the Lord turned it around. Boy, I love that. Because I really do believe God gets to a place where he looks at your situation and he says enough is enough. I don't know if y'all can hear that clearly tonight. But the girl had an issue of blood for 12 years. Who determined when her time was up? She did. She said, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. 12 is the number of government. Her issue was governing her life. Many of you are living with issues that have been governing your decisions. But tonight you're going to touch something that's going to turn that thing around. The issue of blood stopped at 12 years. A man sitting by the pool for 38 years. Why do we have these numbers? Because God is showing us something. 38 years was enough. Jesus said, do you even want to be made whole? Some people sit around watching the water being stirred and never get in. And they blame it on other people. He said, no man will help me get into the water. Sometimes you got to help yourself. Some of y'all been, been depending on the prayers of your family for so long. You're going to think you, you think you're going to make it on their prayers. Sometimes you got to take responsibility for yourself. And Jesus looked at him and said, do you even want to be made whole? And he said, take up your mat and follow me after 38 years, 70 years of captivity. The Israelites were in the wilderness for 40 years. All of these numbers, 400 years of an intertestament period. So there are these time codes, these time periods. And some of you have been there long enough. Your marriage has been miserable long enough. Come on in this building. You've been unsatisfied long enough. You know what? I call a stop to it tonight in Jesus' name. 
I feel this right here. Shout it as loud as you can. Time is up. Jump on your feet. Throw your head back and shout it. Time is up. Come on, say it. Enough is enough. I've been living down, depressed, sickly, unhealthy long enough. My marriage been jacked up long enough. Say it again. Time is up. Amen. Now give God a praise if you believe that he's about to turn it around. Man, I feel this thing. I'm trying to stay calm and teach, but I feel it in the building tonight. Woo! See, the quandary is this. You may be seated. The quandary could be summed up in one word, captivity. Captivity means to be carried away. We talked about it a little bit on Sunday. I want to rest on it for a minute. Carried away means you have been removed from a secure place and positioned in an insecure place. It's exile. It's not just an emotional state. It can be a physical state or a state of mind. Hebrews tells us to watch strange doctrines. In Hebrews 13, 9, do not be carried away by all kinds of strange doctrines. I wish you could hear that right there. Be careful with strange fire. If it walks like a duck, If it seems weird, it's probably weird. And you live in a generation that is attracted to strange things. Stranger things. And we chase what seems to be so mystical that it can't be real. You serve a real God, a genuine God. A God that has been touched with the feeling, come on in the building, of your infirmities. Stop chasing all this mystical stuff. There's some stuff you're not supposed to know about. That's why you have to be careful with eschatology. Everybody thinks they have that time worked out when he's coming back. You do not know when he's coming back. I can promise you. He said no man knows the hour and no man knows the day. And really your only responsibility is to endure. He who endures to the end shall be saved. So don't be caught up in all this strange, weird stuff. If it's not clear in Scripture, don't entertain it. Woo! I'll just say it like this. Enough happened on the front of the cross that I don't need to look behind it. Y'all not hearing that right there. I saw enough on front of it to satisfy me. I saw him hang his head and die. I saw blood dripping down his head. I saw these, these nails in his hands and in his feet. I watched blood come from his side. That's all I needed to see. That's why Paul wrote the church at Corinth and he said, I fear lest by any means you have been corrupted from the simplicity that is found in Christ. It's real simple, y'all. Don't make it difficult. He was crucified, dead and buried, and on the third day, he got up. You don't need to know no more than that. To give him, that's enough for you to live saved the rest of your life. Woo! Come on, tell your neighbor, that's all I need to know. Don't be carried away with stuff. Don't be caught up in weird stuff. Woo! 2 Peter 3, 17 says, Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless 
and fall from your secure position. That's very simple. When you get caught up in lawless life, you start excusing errors. You start excusing missing the mark like you just have a bad aim. Folks, it's time for us to get back to living holy, living right. I'm not saying being judgmental. I'm not saying pointing your finger at everybody else. I'm just saying, you know what? There's a righteous life we are called to. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. We don't quote the rest of it. And his righteousness. And all these things you're seeking for will be added to you. But we have to seek his, and his righteousness is something that is imputed to you that makes you now responsible to live according to his standards. You will never fulfill that law. That law was fulfilled in Christ because you couldn't do it. But that does not extract the text that tells us in 1 Peter, be ye holy even as he is holy. Too many people are carried away in codependent relationships. Carried away by distractions. You started entertaining it, but you had no idea that it was going to capture you. There's so many ways to be carried away. You can be carried away by an offense. Someone offended you and you just got carried away and you just left. Come home. Carried away by a soul tie. Here's what happens when you get carried away. The things that mean the most to you are suddenly jeopardized. Because something now has your affection and it's not heaven. And it's not Christ. So be very careful when you... Okay, let me, here's an example of being carried away. Captured. Captivated. So many people are captivated by smart devices. If you can't go to lunch and put your phone down... And checking it every every five minutes, just looking, just looking, seeing how many likes you've got. You know what I think Facebook needs to create? An unlike button. Because I think it would discourage people from looking so much. Amen. There are many things lost while you're being carried away. So here's the answer. Now I want this to hit you hard now. Everyone say these words, the prophetic. I just do not believe we emphasize the prophetic enough. The Bible tells me in the book of Revelation that Jesus operated in the spirit of prophecy. Prophecy is very important for your life. Prophecy is not foretelling, it's telling forth. Prophecy is the ability to put together the words to cause a thing to happen that's not previously happened. God did not prophesy for Ezekiel. He told Ezekiel to prophesy. He said, prophesy to the four winds and tell them to blow on these bones. Before that, he said, prophesy to the bones and tell them to come together. Do you know that you have the anointing to prophesy your own future? Walk up in your house when your husband and your crazy kids ain't there and just prophesy, my house is a happy home. 
But don't prophesy something you're not willing to practice. Prophecy is only powerful when you live by its principles. And its principles comes with standards and convictions. So don't prophesy something you're not willing to live. Woo, preach in the building, Bishop. So prophecy is powerful. And Jesus' whole ministry was predicated upon the spirit of prophecy. So when they come to him and tell him, Lazarus, your friend is dying or is dead or is dying, he says, it shall not, his, this sickness shall not end in death. But he died. Jesus didn't say he wasn't going to die. He just said it's not going to end in death. Why? Because he lived by the spirit of prophecy. Woo! Some of you need to let some stuff die so that he can resurrect it. You're trying to keep something alive that needs to die and it can't live to its full efficacy without it being resurrected. If you'll let it go and it's of him, it's got to come back. But if you let it go and it's not of him, it will never return. That's how destiny operates. And destiny is the journey of prophecy. Ooh, if you read Ephesians chapter 1, you would understand that because you are a predestined individual. You are preordained. That's why God told Jeremiah, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. All the days of your appointed time were written before one of them came to pass. And I can tell you in his script, he wrote you a happy, fulfilled, satisfied life. If you're not there, you just haven't reached that page yet. Amen. Preaching good, Pastor Rick. Amen. So I just want to encourage you tonight. Embrace the prophetic. God told me in January this would be a year of finality. This would be a year of final. And this would be a year of finally. Finally. And here we are in the eighth month. And I almost preached this tonight. But the Lord told me to rehearse this again to be sure you got this. But I was going to preach this. Finally, the fourth quarter has arrived. The fourth quarter starts in September. From September to January is called the former rain. And Joel said there's a season when the former rain and the latter rain get together and rain at the same time. And God told me in the fourth quarter, the former and the latter are about to kiss. And there's about to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit like we've never experienced in our life. And I want to preach it so bad because the fourth quarter is here. And in order for you to be successful in the fourth quarter, you have to be conditioned for it. In other words, you can't get to the fourth quarter and expect to do something you're not prepared to do. He saves the best for last. And I'm telling you, this last quarter of this year, you need to get ready. Because God is about to do things that are exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think. I dare you to jump up and hold four fingers up and shout, this is our quarter right here. This is our quarter. Amen. Tell somebody, this is our quarter right here. The fourth one belongs to us. Amen. The enemy did some damage in the second quarter. He tried to hit us low in the third. But come on. The fourth quarter is our quarter. Somebody shout, finally, finally, finally. And we're stepping into a finally season in God. To where you're going to go, that thing is finally over. That fight finally stopped. Those crazy people finally left. 
That curse was finally broken. That soul tie was finally snapped. Somebody shouted four times, finally, 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 finally. You've been praying about it, and finally your answer's going to come. You've been fasting over it, finally it's going to happen. Woo! If you believe it, come on, give him praise tonight if you believe. Fourth quarter, finally. Woo! The vision is for an appointed time, and at the end it shall speak. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will surely come. The vision is for an appointed time. Habakkuk 2, 3. When does it speak? At the end. Why? Because God gives all things he creates an ending before he gives it a beginning. God never starts with the first. He starts with the last and backs it up and gives it a beginning. You were done before you started. This fourth quarter was already established before January ever arrived. I'm sorry. I'm feeling this thing. When he says in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3, everyone shall finally, at the end it shall speak. It means to blow or breathe the breath of air to fan as a breeze of hope. The end just, the end blows on you to keep you coming this way. The finally says, come on. Fine, you, you about finished and he said, nope, come on. You ever felt that? You were in church. You ain't felt nothing for a while. You lifted your hands and it felt like. Suddenly God just sent a breeze. He just blew on you. It's pneuma. It's the breath of God. It's the Holy Spirit. It's when the Spirit of God says. No, you ain't quitting. You ain't giving up. You ain't throwing in a towel. Because if you can make it through two or three more months, you're about to see a breakthrough you've never seen in your entire life. Do you love him tonight? It's for an appointed time, which means it's fixed in the Hebrew. The appointed time is a fixed time. Say this with me. The fight is fixed. That made me want to run all over this building. Say it again. The fight is fixed. Y'all remember Ali and Spinks? Some of y'all. You remember that when Spinks had him against the ropes? And it was the, back then, we used, they used to have real fights, like 15 rounds. And it was the 15th round, and, and Ali was giving him the rope. And he caught him with a right and knocked him out. Some of you, listen to me, you are rope-a-doping this devil. <laughs> Touch your neighbor and tell him, I've been rope-a-doping this devil. But you about to swing one more time. You about to praise one more time. You about to pray one more time. And the thing that's been resisting you is going. Tell your neighbor, this is not a TKO, baby. This is a KO. We going for the knockout. Five seconds left, and I got one more punch. And this is what Ezra's saying when he's talking about these people carrying precious seed. It's all they had left. And some of you, I said this on on, on Sunday, some of you just have, you feel like I only have a little bit of strength left. A little bit of faith left. I just have a few grains of seed. Whew. Sow it. I'm not talking about your money. Don't, don't go there. Sow what you have. 
You're still talented. You're still gifted. Talk to me. You're still called. You still have something. Come on in the building. Tell your neighbor, I got a little bit left. I still got some. I ain't all the way on empty. I was driving tonight and my truck just got a little bit of gas in it. I was praying, Michelle, Lord, let, let us make it. I didn't even say nothing to Giovanna because a lot of time when you tell your partners that you're almost on empty, then you're causing more trouble than you really want to entertain. Sometimes you got to keep your tank to yourself. Sometimes you can't be just telling everybody I'm running on fumes. Even though you're running on fumes, don't let the devil know it. Just show him your faith and never let him know that you're running on fumes. Never tell the devil how empty you are. Never tell the devil how discouraged you are. Never let the enemy know you're about to give up. Amen. Faith it until you make it. I need 20 sanctified people to give him praise like your tank is full tonight. Tell your neighbor I'm going to make it. I am going to arrive. My best is yet to come. The fourth quarter is here, and finally, I'm about to get my breakthrough. Finally, God turned out captivity. Finally, the end came. Finally, time was up. Finally, the issue was over. Finally, the sickness was healed. Finally, my marriage was reckoned. Finally. Come on, shout it four more times. Finally, 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 finally. God turned it. Woo. And he said, we were like them that dream. Say it again, dream on. Have you ever been in something so long that when you came out of it, you said, man, that's, I feel like I'm dreaming life is so good. That's how I felt when I got married. Like I woke up and said, my God, you did all that? <laughs> Y'all don't know like I know. I mean, I was divorced 12 long years. <laughs> and when this girl showed up at my feet too, I said, Lord, I want to thank you. I wasn't even part of the play. I was the preacher. I looked down, I said, Lord... If this is a dream, don't wake me up right now. Thank you, Lord, for brown eyes. Thank you for Hispanic blood. Thank you, Lord. Bless your name for a J-O-V. Y'all ain't hearing me. I'm serious, man. I had been on a year and a half sabbatical of dating. I'm not lying. I was like, I'm done. God, I'm settled and satisfied to, to be celibate. I ain't got no more S's or C's for you neither, but I just, I, that's it. I, thought that, I, I told him, I said, that's it, that's fine. That's fine, I can do this. I got this. And that girl showed up. I still wake up every morning and say, I'm like a man is dreaming. And this is what they said. And watch what they said. Then our mouth was filled with laughter. I don't know how many times. I mean, some of you have even told me, Pastor Rick, since you got married, you don't wear black anymore. You started wearing bright colors. 
Maybe, maybe I was in maybe I was in depression and didn't even know it. And people telling me, man, you're just so happy and you're smiling all the time. Yes, indeed. You don't know like I know what the Lord has done for me. Well, I'm sorry, y'all. But he says our mouth was filled with laughter. You know, and I find that true. When dreams come true, it just it tickles us, don't it? And we look back over our life and we just, we just laugh. <laughs> Man. And you know what? The pleasure is so enjoyable that the pain becomes forgettable. And I believe that's where God is about to take you into your fa- and your family, into a time where you're going to laugh a lot. We don't laugh enough. We need to laugh in the face of the enemy. You know the Bible says God laughs at his enemies? Let's laugh with him. Let's laugh in the face of adversity. And how about this? And we were glad. Glad is a state of mind. Right? The Bible says he pours in the oil of gladness. So gladness is connected to the anointing. I believe it says it's impossible to be anointed and not, it's impossible to be anointed and not be glad. When you want to be glad, you can be glad. Decide to be happy. Remember that old song, Don't Worry? There you go, whistle it then if you want to. But don't worry, be, be happy, be, be glad. The Bible says, shout and be glad, O daughter of Zion. And you know we have every reason to be sad. Think about it. Things go wrong. We have an opportunity to be sad. You look at the state of our country, and it can make you very sad to think that they would take the Ten Commandments out of courthouses. The Bible's not only out of schools, but out of libraries. All of this stuff can be, the polarization of our country when it comes to race and politics. It can be very discouraging and very depressing. But I'm going to just tell you something. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. You better get ready because things have to get worse before we see the greatest day we've ever seen. But we're, God is bringing us into a season of gladness. You know what? I want you to practice your smile. Go ahead and look at three or four people and smile at them big enough to eat a banana sideways. Let them, just let them see you smile. Because, listen, here's what I want at our church. Here's, here's what I desire in our church, T.W., is that when people come to our church, and I'm being serious about this. I'm not being facetious. Where is Vicky at? Is Vicky, Vicky's probably teaching. There she is. Is Vicky here? But Vicky, Vicky is the official ordained, appointed, and anointed smiler. Vicky smiles all the time, and it's, and it's attractive, and it has a pull to it. You know, I just want to look at some of y'all and say, give your face a break. <laughs> just smile, just for, just for a minute, smile. But I just want people when they come in, right, Wayne, to see people and just everybody smiling. Everyone, everyone wants to be a part of a happy home. Who wants to go to a house where daddy's complaining and throwing stuff around and you're mad about everything? It's time for us to be glad. 
Amen. And I'm here to tell you God's going to do something so great for you that you ain't going to help it but laugh and but be glad. Come on, touch your neighbor and tell him you're going to have to. So watch, watch this. He says, restore, turn again our captivity. In the Hebrew, it reads like this in verse 4. Restore our fortunes. Restore our fortunes. Fortunes in the Hebrew have to do with two things. Success and wealth. I told you on Sunday, and I, I believe this to be true, that you're about to have a lack of failure, not a lack of faith. Amen. Too many people fail too often. Failure becomes familiar and it becomes habitual. God did not created you, create you to be a failure. He created you to be a success in every area of your life. He said, if you obey me, you'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed when you come, blessed when you go. Blessed people are successful people. Amen. So God is going to turn this thing around for you. And success and wealth is coming back into your life. Some of you in this building have experienced success at high levels. Now, let me explain something to you. Success is not equal to money. I want you to clearly understand that. Success just means this, reaching a desired goal. Or accomplishing or achieving something that you chose to try. That's success. So here's what I want to encourage you in. Stop measuring success by cars and houses and clothes and bank accounts. That's not success. Success is I decided I'm going to have a happy marriage, and now I have one. Rejoice in that success. Great success happens when you accomplish small successes. Quit trying to reach way up there when you haven't just stepped on the step that's just right before you. The steps, stairs, and stages of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. You can't jump from the bottom floor to the second floor. You have to walk it one step at a time. Be successful at stopping doing something that is detrimental to your life. Are y'all still with me? God created you to be successful like that. I'll stop. I don't want to, but I will. Proverbs 2, 7 says, He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. I said this Sunday. I'm going to say it one more time because in my opinion, this was one of the most important quotes from Sunday. Managing success is far more difficult than managing failure. Be careful what you pray for. Because some of you are praying for an area of success in your life that you're not there. And it's not because of what you're not doing. It's because God has not allowed you to get there. Because if you got to where you were praying, it would kill you because your infrastructure can't hold up what you're trying to grab. Let God work on the inside of you, your character, your integrity. Let him build you into the person that can uphold the success that you're really believing him for. Tons of material for recovering from failure, not much on how to handle success. I'll leave you with this. Break the pattern of failure. Break that pattern 
Try and fail, but don't fail to try. Yes. Effort is irreplaceable because it is one thing that cannot be replaced in your pursuit of success or enjoying a better life. Everything requires effort. The only thing you can achieve without effort is failure. When I was putting this down today, I heard the Lord tell me to tell you, try again. We've toiled all night and caught nothing. We're fishermen, Jesus. We know where the fish are. And Jesus said, I know something you don't know. And he says, try one more time. Cast your nets on the other side. And he says, nevertheless, at your word. We will try one more time. And I want to encourage you. Stop being satisfied with failure. Try again. I tried and I failed. Try again. We worked and it didn't happen. Try again. Come on, y'all. I tried to stay faithful to church. It didn't work. Try again. I tried to trust and I couldn't trust. Try again. I tried to believe and I couldn't believe. Try again. Father, I thank you that there's effort in the hearts of these, your people. My God, there's something great happening here tonight. I see God working, weaving. Woo. You know what I hear him saying? I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. Woo. If you fall, don't let your faith fail. And I hear God saying, I have prayed for you that you Somebody shout it, keep believing. Let's stand, please. The Holy Ghost is in here right now. Keep believing. We're going into the fourth quarter. Finally, it's going to happen. God is restoring your wealth. Wealth is happiness. It is peace with prosperity. Your wealth is coming back, but your success is coming back. You are successful when you set a goal for yourself and achieve it. Man, I know that this encouragement is ringing true in your heart. And I know that God is dealing with you. Would you lift your hands, please? The Holy Ghost is here tonight. Yes, God. There you go. It will turn in my That's it. Sooner or later. It will turn. It will turn in my favor. Lift those hands. Let God minister to you tonight. He's working it out for me. Yes, God. It won't always be like this. Prophesy, girl. Come on.
you come to the altar. Come on, let us pray for you tonight. You needed this word. Come on, would you come and let us pray for you tonight? Come on, Jamie, prophesy. Be this way. That's right. hands please when the Lord turns our captivity we were like men that dream are you ready for him to turn it he's turning it right now thank you father thank you Lord Lord we thank you that you're turning it in such a way that our mouths will be filled with laughter in our hearts overflowing with gladness. Turn it, God. Turn it around. Turn it around. Turn it around. Turn it around, Lord. Turn it around. Come on, throw your hands up and tell it. Turn it around. Yes, God. Spirit say, he's not only going to turn it around, he's turning you around. When he says in verse 4, turn again our captivity, remember what I told you on Sunday. They had already come out of captivity. But now he said, I've got to get captivity out of you. So right now, lift those hands because those captive thoughts those mental strongholds are being turned around in the name of Jesus. The learned behavior is being turned around and he's turning you around. Yes, he's turning you around. Glory to God. Come on, I know this is going to sound crazy, but lift those hands real high and everybody just turn. Come on, let's turn. He's turning you around. Woo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's do it one more time. Come on, hey, break that side of the motion. 
Yeah, he's getting it out of us. Egypt is coming out of you. Babylon is coming out of you. Wrong disciplines and behavior patterns coming out of you. Depression is turning into joy. Oppression is turning into gladness. He's turning you around in the name of Jesus. Lord, pour in the oil of gladness now for the spirit of heaviness. Come on, somebody put on a garment of praise and start to praise him right now because he turned you around. Bless your name, Jesus. Father, we thank you for working it out for our favor. I bless you tonight that you have touched these, your people. You have encouraged them. You have lightened the load tonight. You have removed the burden of oppression. And thank you, God, for bringing captivity out of us. We will laugh and be glad, and we will give you praise in Jesus' name. One last time, every hand clapping, every voice lifted. Let's bless him tonight. Yes, yes, yes. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Jesus. Well, hug on somebody near to you and tell them success to you and success to the kingdom.